Nashville's in the running for a political convention, and Governor Bill Lee releases his third budget proposal this year. Welcome to Grand Divisions. This is the week of June 8th. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Natalie Allison. Uh, Well, Natalie, last week there was a whole lot of uh, interesting things, but I think one of the uh, main highlights was the fact that Nashville suddenly got thrust to the center of conversation uh, about potentially hosting a portion or possibly all, but likely a portion of the Republican National uh, Convention. You covered some of the the initial discussions and then uh, what it's been like afterwards. So uh, tell people, you know, what what's the latest with that? Yeah, there was um, there was a report in Politico last week. I believe it was maybe Thursday morning that Nashville was among the cities that the RNC was looking at um, as they try to find an alternate site for its its big celebration, Trump's ex- acceptance speech, if you will, um, after the RNC has um, basically come to a standoff with the, the state of North Carolina and Democratic Governor Roy Cooper there about how large they'll actually be allowed to have um, their convention. And so Nashville was listed in that. Uh, we had reporters had an avail with the governor uh, Thursday mid morning, midday, um, and where you know he was asked, "Is this true?" And he confirmed, and he said, "Yes." Um, I don't think that was Thursday. I think that was actually earlier in the week. I can't I can't keep days straight anymore. Whatever day Time it was, maybe it was Tuesday. Point. I don't know. Uh, it was it was some day last week, um, and then the RNC. Yeah, I would think it was Tuesday because the RNC officials were originally scheduled to come visit Nashville on Thursday. That actually happened on Friday. Um, they were given a tour of the city. The governor's office was facilitating that. At one point, Governor Bill Lee uh, went down to Lower Broadway to show off um, at least one honky tonk. I think they were photographed outside of Layla's um, honky tonk on Broadway. And then the RNC told me that there are plans to have um, more RNC officials come back to Nashville this week uh, to do some follow-up visits. And as part of their original visit, they were supposed to tour Bridge to an Arena, talk to the folks at the Music City Center and and Convention Visitors Bureau. So at this point, uh, Nashville is just one of several other cities um, in the country being considered for it. So um, we just have to wait and see what happens. Of course, all this comes uh, years after Nashville had been sort of eyeing this. They they built Music City Center with the hope of possibly uh, getting a convention at some point, or at least that was one of the reasons behind it. Um, you know, they've uh, tried to get Democrat and Republican uh, national conventions. This is probably the closest they've been in, in part of the big discussion. And one of the issues is normally... Uh, in pre-COVID times, Nashville doesn't quite have the hotel space for the twenty-five to 35,000 uh, people that come for any convention. Of course, this being a sort of truncated or bifurcated convention and it just being in you know post-COVID times, it certainly seems like it's uh, possible because hotel space is, is you know wide open right now. People aren't going out en masse. People aren't coming to Nashville uh, in, in the droves that they were before COVID. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, I, I believe I saw over the weekend um, Florida was still sort of a leading contender. Uh, looked like Jacksonville, maybe Orlando. Um, but, you know, we'll see in, in the coming days uh, as that comes up. Yeah, and there's also the question of how is this going to be paid for? Um, a, a couple people in the Senate, Senate leadership last week, said they were 
they were open to potentially exploring ways to use state money, looking at this as an economic development project. And that's, of course, after uh, the Senate has said a lot about needing to to make cuts from the state spending this year in light of uh, projected revenue shortfalls. Um, the governor said he had not been asked um, by the RNC for any kind of uh, proposal for the state to put up money. He said he didn't think that would be necessary. Um, but there are a lot of questions about uh, how this would be funded. Typically, um, a city that that hosts a convention has a host committee that that raises tens of millions of dollars, um, and they usually have you know a year plus to do that. And in this case, it would be a very very short time frame. So um, it we'll see. Nashville has said they don't have they don't have money in their budget. To, to put towards this convention. Um, so there are a lot of questions about how this could be pulled off. Speaking of budgets, last week the governor and the administration came out with their latest budget uh, recommendations. Again, this is the process that we have seen play out now three times uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, the governor came out with his first recommendation right when his second state of the state happened in uh, late January, early February. Uh, then he had a new budget recommendation in March um, in the sort of pre uh, or early COVID-19 days. And now there is the latest. This latest round includes uh, massive changes, including complete elimination of pay raises for teachers and state employees who the governor wanted to give. Uh, I believe it was upwards of 4% raises uh, in January. Those are, are off the table at this point. Um, there is also a call to have a $50 million state employee buyout program implemented. Uh, the thinking behind that is once you buy out these employees, eventually down the line, the state is going to save money in future years. Uh, Department of Financing uh, Administration Commissioner Butch Ely said that that could lead up to upwards of $65 million in savings. Uh, the latest budget recommendation also calls for reducing a 25 uh, million dollar broadband initiative, which was a multi-year project down to uh, $10 million. And then also a couple of random other things, including uh, eliminating postpartum uh, insurance coverage for, for pregnant women. Uh, that's That was a $6.6 .6 million program and specifically mentioned by Governor Bill Lee in his January or uh, February State of the State address. Um, not included in the budget is uh, this discussion of a delayed phase out of the hall income tax, which uh, is really not paid by many people in Tennessee and was set to uh, expire uh, after next year. Yeah. So this this budget that we're seeing now, as you pointed out, it's the, the third proposed budget from the governor this year is, is drastically different than the first, which when the state had all of this cash um, – you know, at, at hand available to use for the next year, the governor had a lot of plans to do a lot with social programs to expand mental health, to, um, to ex extend tend care to women postpartum, to, um, to create a, a paid family leave program that, that of course faced resistance, uh, from Republicans in the general assembly, but he had a lot of plans to do a lot with, um, social programs still in a conservative, uh, sort of version of that. Of course, he wasn't calling to expand Medicaid or anything like that. But um, most of that is, is all out the window right now. And, and what we're seeing is a drastically different version than what he announced in early February at, at a state of the state. And then uh, there's also the question of uh, voucher funding. So 
Do you want to catch us up on what happened in court this week with vouchers and how that is translating to the budget? Well, real brief, uh, on the budget end, the governor initially, his recommendation was to include, I think it was about $16 million still into the voucher program. Originally, it was going to be about $38 million program. So he scaled it back. Um, The reason behind that being enrollment was less than originally budgeted. Uh, Then come uh, Thursday, when the budget recommendations come out, minutes before we are briefed in the media, um, we find out that the uh, state Supreme Court declined to essentially grab uh, this voucher appeal from the appellate court, so a lower court. Essentially, the Supreme Court could have just said, uh, we're going to go from the the, um, uh, initial case and then just take that case immediately if they want to sort of expedite the matter. Uh, They didn't do that. Because they didn't do that, the appeals court is going to take it up. Its current schedule is in August, which is right around the time that the school year starts. So all that being said, uh, Commissioner Ely basically admitted, uh, given the timing of things, we probably aren't going to be able to implement this year and we'll just use the money and store it away or possibly use it for other reasons, um, which would essentially admit to beginning the program next year, which is something that the governor has been adamant in opposition to for a long time. And also in court this week, um, another seemingly loss for the the state, um, at least for for Bill Lee, is the the decision to require that the Secretary of State's office, local election officials, allow for uh, vote by mail for anyone who who says they need it in light of the the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Initially, the governor and secretary of state had said that that's not something that they were going to allow. That's not something they were going to permit um, if people needed to request absentee ballots uh, because they were afraid to go to the polls, um, that they would have to still fall under the existing uh, reasons, which fear of contracting uh, coronavirus is not one of them. Um, But a national chancellor last week on Thursday night uh, issued a ruling in a a lawsuit that was challenging the state's policy on that, saying, yes, the state would have to um, issue those absentee ballots. Um, The Secretary of State's office has since updated their website to say that they would uh, receive applications um, for from people for those ballots. But in the meantime, the state has also already appealed that decision um, and we'll see what comes of that, but it seems like now you can go ahead and request those ballots. How soon you will or won't get that before there's a decision in the appeal. I'm not sure, but at this point, um, the state is, is having to do something that, um, Trey Hargett and Bully said that they were not interested in doing. And now for this week's notebook dump, the Senate has agreed to take up another administration bill. Um, This one is the bill that would eliminate the requirement that the governor proclaim Nathan Bedford Forest Day and proclaim any uh, legislative mandated special days of observation for that matter. The Senate initially was not planning on taking that up before adjourning, uh, but the governor had reached out to the Senate requesting that they do so since it had already passed in the House. Last week, the House of Representatives voted 87 to 5 on a bill to essentially cut two campaign disclosures away. The legislation is seeking to eliminate the pre-primary and pre-general campaign disclosures, which the sponsor, Tim Rudd, said are cumbersome. Uh, In total, in 2018, those reports contained $14 million dollars worth of donations, according to Eric Shelzig of the Tennessee Journal. 
The state plans to use $200 million of federal CARES Act money, that's uh, coronavirus stimulus relief money to states, uh, to give out small grants to small businesses who were affected by the pandemic. Those grants would range from as small as $2,500. The average amount would be about $7,7200. And they'll be going to places like salons and restaurants and other small businesses that were forced to close down um, during the pandemic. Kentucky U.S. Senator Rand Paul endorsed Republican Senate candidate Manny Sethi's bid for the party's nomination. It is the most significant endorsement that Sethi has gotten so far, and it squares off against President Donald Trump's endorsement of his competitor, former U.S. ambassador to Japan, Bill Haggerty. The Tennessee National Guard deployed about a thousand guardsmen uh, to Washington, D.C. at the end of last week. Um, That was at the request of the federal government. But the president has since said that uh, the National Guard would begin the process of leaving D.C. as it had been deployed to respond to protesters. Uh, So it appears that those guardsmen will be soon coming home. And finally... More than 10,000 people, and by some estimates, uh, upwards of 20,000 people, uh, showed up in downtown Nashville on Thursday last week to protest police brutality and racism. They walked by the Capitol, among many other places, uh, showing a sea of people holding signs and peacefully protesting uh, a little bit uh, less than a week after Nashville had a similar protest that ended up uh, erupting into violence, including uh, the burning of the historic Metro Courthouse. That's it for Grand Divisions this week. As always, you can find us uh, Tuesdays, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, etc. You can find us on uh, Twitter at Grand Divisions 3. This podcast is produced by John Garcia and Erica Whitney. A quick programming note, we are beginning furloughs again uh, next week. Uh, I will be on furlough. The following week, Natalie will be on furlough. We are hopeful to record an episode at the end of this week to uh, serve as an evergreen for the following, but it really just depends on how much work we can get done in a uh, you know compounded period this week. So again, we hope to have a new episode. Uh, if not, we'll see uh, on the other side of our furloughs. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Joel Ebert. I'm Natalie Elson. 